This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hopeland Church. We're starting a new series today, starting this month. And it's called Culture Conversations. Uh, We do something like this every year, just on culture, maybe certain aspects of what's going on in the world, in our culture. How do we filter that through the Word of God and our relationship with Jesus and all that good stuff. But this one's a little different because we got a subtitle for this, and it is uh, Journey Through Thessalonians. So we're literally going to be looking at the book of Thessalonians. Um, definitely starting with First Thessalonians, and we should get into a little bit of Second Thessalonians, but just we're not necessarily going like verse by verse through these books, but we are definitely kind of looking at the cultural context of these letters and then how that kind of parallels with our context too. So anyway, um, our heart behind all this is to really talk about real issues and real things happening in and around us and how do we how do we live for Jesus in and through it all. So there you go. So today it's going to be a bit of just literally um, historical cultural context of the letter and then kind of just some simple things of just how to apply this to our own lives. So this will definitely be a, a good study for you. Many people um, here that you're going to uh, be able to apply something to your life, but I also believe you're going to also um, learn some things about the context of these letters and kind of tying it into the book of Acts and good stuff like that. So um, here we go. All right, so let's pray and we'll get right into it. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. Uh, we thank you for the Holy Spirit uh, being with us. Um, ministering to us, speaking to us, leading and guiding us. And Lord, let this be a just a blessed moment to hear your word and, and just learn about the scripture, but also how it applies to our life. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen, or everybody said amen, or God's people said amen. Okay, here we go. So we're gonna, we're gonna start with the book of Acts here. And how this all started, this is uh, just Paul getting to Thessalonica and all that. And so uh, there's definitely from the from the giddy up of this sermon series, there's going to be some quick, just practical or just principles that we see in Paul's journey that we can apply to our life. Okay, and and then we're going to get into some cultural stuff concerning Thessalonica and how that parallels with our world and and the challenge to live for Jesus through it all. So here we go. Um, Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 16, and I'm gonna read verse six to verse 10, and this is what we call the Macedonian call. So Paul was on his, what we call his second missionary journey, okay? So he's kind of heading, he was started in Jerusalem, and he's like heading up the Mediterranean coast here, And so in Acts 16, verse 6, as I read, it's kind of like he's on that journey, missionary journey, stopping various places to minister to people, to, in in a sense, literally, like, be a catalyst of local church communities in these cities. 
Okay, so Acts chapter 16, verse 6, here we go. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbid, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Uh, verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Uh, so passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. So they're just kind of heading north, all right, up the uh, Mediterranean there, and it, um, you can kind of um, see uh, by the map here on our online service, we have a map up, and so there it is, and you can kind of see his second missionary journey, and he's now in Troas, which is, I believe, I'm not looking at the map myself as we speak, but it's right there on the coast. Okay, so this is where he is. This all ties into Thessalonica. Just, just work, work with me here. And a vision, verse 9 of Acts 16, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, Luke is writing this, okay? And that's why it's spoken in like um, first person in, in here, and it says called us to preach the gospel to them. So so here it is. Um, uh, just some, some context here. We're going to get to Thessalonia, but uh, this is just some good, just good like Bible cultural context here. So He's in Troas, he gets a vision, and this person says, come to Macedonia and help us. Now, so you can see here, Macedonia is just north, it's northwest of where he was, and he had to get in the boat and cross uh, that particular sea there to head over there. So Macedonia is a region in um, Greece, um, or, you know, Europe, and Thessalonica, is a city, a coastal city off the Aegean Sea, Aegean Sea, I don't know how do you pronounce that, but I know how to spell it, but, um, but I don't want to say it. So very, so, so the, in his vision, it was this regional kind of call, Macedonia, but he ended up landing in Thessalonica, okay? So that, that's kind of, this is how he got there, this is why he got there, you know? Um, and so there, you can kind of see that his second missionary journey there. So, you know, he's just doing what he's doing, preaching the gospel. But um, uh, but I, what I love about this, and we can apply this to our lives, is that this, here's my point here. The, the life of faith is a, is a spirit-led life. And I know we're kind of given just some context to what we're preaching about, but I want to give something to you to apply to your life and to know this, that we as believers, um, like hearing from God, whether it's through the word or by the spirit of God or just maybe even sensing a, a leading of God in, in, to, to do whatever, to go wherever, that is very much normal for a Christian, right? So here's Paul, man, he's doing his thing and he sees a vision. And I love this too, because it says in verse 10 that as a result of the vision, it says concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. That does it. So, He's just kind of, he gets this vision in the night and he's really like walking by faith still because this man just says this and he's like, okay, Lord, uh, it's kind of like I'm concluding that you're saying I need to go there and preach. 
Okay? And so that, that's the point here for us is that the life of faith is a spirit-led life. We ought to have these moments with God. I understand that this is an every day, all day. We're hearing the voice of God or we're getting a vision every 15 minutes, right? But this is normal for the Christian. Why? Because we are spiritual beings. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. God is alive. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, those that are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This, is, this ought to be normal. And so I just want to encourage you. Um, I want to encourage you to continually to, when you hear from God, step out in faith. Um, I want to encourage you to, that, that God wants to speak to you. God wants to lead you. God wants to give you dreams and visions. I mean, this is in the scripture and the life of faith is not just, oh, I've decided to be a good person now and now I go to church every Sunday and I don't do bad things. Um, awesome, but that is not what defines the life of faith, a Jesus follower, a Christ follower. I am telling you that the life of faith is a spirit-led life. Acts 17, verse 1 to verse 4. Acts 17, verse 1 to verse 4. So that's his call, navigates his way this way. And so we jump up forward to Acts 17, verse 1. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Okay, verse three, explaining and demonstrating. I love this, explaining and demonstrating uh, that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded in a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. I find that Fascinating in the scripture, it specifically says leading women. Uh, in the Greek, that word is where you get the word proton. It means chief or first in rank and authority. So these women were women of influence and women of authority. And they joined Paul and Silas. And so Paul welcomed prominent women into his ministry. Somebody say amen. All right. So, um, so here we go. So there it is. So he lands in Thessalonica, all right? And as his custom was, he teaches there. And, um, and just understand too at this time, like there was no like quote unquote church like building and had a cross on the top, said Jesus saves. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, you know, you got Hope Land Church, you know, uh, faith, faith Worship Center, Hope City Worship Center, First missionary, Baptist, Ebenezer, you know what I mean? Like, he, he, sh he shows up to this city by this being led by the, literally being led by the Spirit of God, by, by, by way of a vision, right? And he walks in. So I love, the, I love the connection here. Check this out. So he's led by the Spirit. He comes in the city, and uh, Paul's a Jewish man. You know what I'm saying? He's doing what he does and always has done even prior to his encounter with Christ, which was the synagogue. So he goes in as his custom. He's like, man, I mean, 
He's just going to do what he does. So he shows up by the Spirit of God, and then he kind of clicks over and says, hey, this is what I do. I'm going to do it. And, and, and it's like this. I want to encourage everybody. So whatever, our, and this was his context, right? This was his context. They, this is the early church, man. They, they were pre- predominantly, um, 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 the leaders at this point were Jewish people. And what did they do? They went to the synagogue. So now it, it, it flips though, because when he's in the synagogue now, he's saying, look guys, he's looking, he's literally uh, looking at the scripture and he's explaining. It says that he reasoned with them with the scripture. What, what scripture? The Torah, Psalms, Proverbs, the prophets. He is literally reading, going through how they would do their service. But he is saying, Jesus is the Messiah. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? I mean, this is radical. Like he's doing his thing. He's up in the system of what he knows. He's in the context of what he knows, of what he's familiar with. He's in the context. He's in the cultural context of how he does church, if we can even say that. But he is going up in that context saying, Jesus is the Christ. It's radical from a Jewish perspective. It is It is. It is even radical from the from the hellenized jewish community and just hellenistic culture in general the 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 polytheistic culture they worship uh, multiple gods they 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 worship even the ancient egyptian god isis this is this is a you know a, a strong religious culture from a jewish perspective and a very strong pagan culture that infected all of the civil world okay and here is paul saying, hey, Jesus is the Christ. It's, it's very radical, very very cutting edge, if you will, very counterculture, what he was doing. He was in his context, but he was very radical in his context. Radical meaning everything has changed, folks. We worship Jesus, okay? And so here's my encouragement to you, whatever your context, whatever your custom, preach and teach that Jesus is the Christ. Every one of us have a context. We have a world. We have, we have this rhythm of life. We are in some sort of rhythm. We have a context. And there's nothing sacred about our context, but we must preach the Christ in our context. All right? And so, as you can see, this immediate fruit of his obedience and his faith, like it says here in verse three, you know, he's explaining and demonstrating, okay? We might get into that later. You know, that Jesus had to suffer, rise again, okay? And all of that good stuff. Hallelujah, all right? in this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And so it says that, and some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks. This is powerful. So the gospel message is impacting both the religious culture and the pagan culture. And and to some degree, those cultures were mixed in a sense, because you know, these Jews were Hellenized, they were Greek speaking Jews. And so, and they, you know what I mean? And there were certain things depending on their conviction that they would only allow so much of that culture to be a you know, as far as language and certain customs, but there were certain things they would, would not mix their 
worship of the one true God with the worship of many gods, okay? So, but anyway, the, the point is that the gospel impacted the, the known culture of the time. It wasn't like just, it wasn't just for a certain type of people. Like it was touching everybody, it says. And it's, it says both men and women and a few of the leading women, right, joined Paul and Silas. And so um, there will always be fruit in our life, okay, when we submit to God and follow his leading. So this is what Paul did. He had a vision. I mean, he's already on the, if you could call it the road of obedience. But in a moment, he's obviously, God made a course correction for him. He followed it by faith because he just, he just went. This is where God wants me to go. Boom. I'm a, I, I, this, is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm sensing. This is what I, I feel like God's saying through my dream. Boom. He goes. And there is immediate fruit. And the Bible says here that he was there for three Sabbaths. So we're presuming it's anywhere from a range. He's only, think about this. He's only in this city in between two to three weeks max. Three weeks max. And so, but it says he was there every Sunday. So, you know, you know, they're, they're, you know, he's up in the, the mix. And we're going to, as we read Thessalonians, we're going to see over this three-week period how connected he became to these people, how endeared they became to him. Okay? And so, uh, such a beautiful thing here. And it's like, it's like this. Let me, let me share this point here in regards to Paul hearing the vision, going, just going, going as is custom. This is all I know to do. So I'm going to do what I do for Jesus. And he saw fruit immediately. You know, immediately there was fruit. Fruit meaning changed lives. Fruit meaning the church was flourishing. And, you know, it's, it's like it was happening, man. The, the community of believers were coming together, worshiping together, studying the scripture together. Like, it was like, man, this thing's happening right here in Thessalonica. And so there will always be fruit in your life when you submit to God and follow his leading. And here, is, here it is. God rewards faith and obedience. I, I've heard this say before, like God's no respecter of persons, meaning God doesn't favor a person because of personality or whatever, right? But he is a respecter of faith, okay? He's, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Right, we, we that this is this is literally like Paul was pleasing God, not because Paul was perfect, not because Paul had it all together. He was pleasing God. Obviously, he was living for God, right? So, okay, I'm not taking away from lifestyle and character and stuff like that, but in the context of this right here, of him obeying God and going to Thessalonica to preach to people, like you know, he was pleasing God because he was trusting God by faith. And, and God rewards faith and obedience. All right, let me say it again. God rewards faith and obedience. I'm sure somebody out there, or anybody out there that's, that's been walking with Jesus and has some sort of journey with God, some sort of history with God, that there are times where God, you felt like God was speaking to you or leading you in a particular direction. And it's not like he told you everything because I don't know if God ever does, 
but he gives us enough. Enough to go, okay, I think this is God. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and I bet you any of us and all of us at some point that God spoke to us, he's leading us by his spirit in some way, we stepped out in faith and we saw the fruit of our obedience. So I, I'm gonna encourage you, continue to hear from God and be sensitive to God and be open to God with what he's calling you to do. Um, some people's obedience is just God leading them to bless somebody, to, to, to just be a blessing, to, you know what I mean? Just to continue to be a blessing, to continue to, um, whether whether it, it might be a career, a vocation, it could be a ministry, it could just be, um, you know, just taking a step in a direction, a relationship with a mentor, you know, I, or it could just be God leading you to, do whatever, whatever directional thing, as this, Paul, this was very directional, it's very, come to this place, and um, and I, I just want to encourage you to continue to stay obedient to God and to walk with him, because this is how we please God, this is how we experience him, this is how we see the fruit, um, because God knows what he's doing, and when he leads us, there's a reason. And you saw the fruit of it when he landed in Thessalonica. You saw the fruit of his obedience. So let's move on, okay? So now we're in Acts chapter 17. Let's read verse five to nine. We're, we're not even at him writing the letter yet, okay? I'm just giving you the context of his journey getting there. And uh, so let's go. Acts 17 verse five. But the Jews, okay, in the midst of fruit, in the midst of people receiving, in the midst of people wanting to be a part of Paul's ministry, but the Jews were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in uproar and attacked the house of Jason. So I say hanging out with this dude, Jason, this dude, Jason, potentially may have even, that may have begin, been the beginnings of some sort of, maybe that could have been a part of, or or like this gathering um, of the, the church in Thessalonica, right? So they attacked the house of Jason, sought to bring them out to the people. So they're looking for Paul and Silas, the leaders of this. Uh, verse six, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out these who have turned the world upside down have come here too verse 7 jason has harbored them so jason's in trouble for having church at his house and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of caesar saying there is another king jesus okay um i think the the, the nlt version says something along the lines of that their allegiance is now to King Jesus. Verse eight, and they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So basically like, hey, you gotta pay a percentage, you gotta, you gotta post bond and then uh, report the collateral. Okay, so, so man, this had an economic impact on Jason and the community in Thessalonica. Obviously, emotional impact and all kind of stuff, um, but also financial uh, because they had, to, they had to 
post-bond. They had to, um, because of this. So in a sense, they committed a crime. All right? And so here it is. Like, if you really look at this from a, from a theological perspective, here's my point. Your allegiance to Jesus will get you into trouble. Okay? And we're talking about cultural conversations. And I know that what we read here in Acts from our perspective here in America could be, uh, like we're looking at this, it's, it's, it's a very extreme case. But the truth be known here that worship is absolute. Um, we will worship the Lord our God, and him only shall we serve. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no other God beside him. It's absolute. So uh, this, think about this. This body of believers were persecuted by the civil and religious authorities because of who they worshiped. Okay, so this, their worship to Jesus and acknowledgement that he is king was, a, was an appeared threat to the Roman officials, okay? And in our culture today, um, this might not be our exact context, but we as believers must choose that come hell or high water, whether somebody rejects me, is, doesn't understand me, ostracizes me, puts me out, puts me away, might even just have this low-key undertone of rejection because of my faith, I must choose to worship Jesus in him alone regardless of even what my family and friends think or say about me. Can I get an amen, somebody? Your allegiance to Jesus will get you into trouble. And I know trouble's a funny word. It's like, what do you mean by that? Well, continue to worship Jesus. And in some way, you will have to deal with some type of persecution. It, it is the reality of the world we live in. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, worship puts a dividing line in the sand. My worship of Jesus doesn't mean I hate people. My worship of Jesus doesn't mean I pick a particular political party. My worship of Jesus um, is not some sort of uh, religious bigotry. My worship of Jesus is, is simply that. I worship Jesus alone, all right? I worship him alone, okay? And um, uh, recently I, I was interviewed on a, uh, a podcast in the skateboard industry. It's a, it's a friend of mine. Um, and it's not a Christian or religious podcast at all, you know? And I, when I went on there, um, you know, a lot of the conversation was about skateboarding and stuff just because it's, it's what the podcast is. It's where I come from. And I, in a sense, like even in my uh, mature old age here, I'm still somewhat a part of that community because my friends are in it and we do even ministry in and through it. Um, 
you know? And so when I'm on there and I'm asked questions and stuff like that, of course I'm gonna talk about skateboarding and everything, but my story of even skateboarding is Jesus is all woven in it. Um, I mean, it's, I can't talk about, truly talk about my history in skateboarding without Jesus being the central figure just because it just, it just is, okay? So of course I'm gonna share about Jesus, what he has done for me, my faith in the Lord and, and all that. And I had a great time and um, my friend who, who, who interviewed me on it, you know, we, we had a good time. This individual isn't like this believer in Jesus at all. And this podcast is nothing, you know, my, I don't know. I think he's had some other Christian skaters on there before, but, but the point is it was, it was awesome. Like, uh, I feel like, you know, when I have those opportunities, I love it. Uh, I love the culture that I come from and all that. I, I love the history of it. I love to talk about that stuff. Um, and also, you know, just find it as an opportunity to just share what Jesus has done for me. And even from people that aren't even saved, I got just great feedback. People are really stoked on it. Even family members called me, reached out to me, uh, messaged me, and they were just like, wow, you know, they were stoked on it. And they're not even believers. Um, so that was cool. You know, I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, I was able to share about Jesus. And there's people out there just stoked on that. That, And in a sense, from my perspective, I'm like, praise God, like the, the, the seeds of the word were planted, right, on people's hearts that on a platform like that, it's just predominantly the skateboard world, and, you know, kind of listening in and watching these things. And so that's awesome. But then again, on the flip side, I know there's people on there that didn't want anything to do with it, don't want to listen to it, or if they did, they're not going to try to share it. You know what I mean? Because I'm sharing Jesus is the Christ and Jesus is King. And so we got to learn to just be obedient to God and, 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 and allow him to be the one that causes the fruit to come forth. And with that said, we got to be learned to just navigate and walk through the persecution that comes with it. Can I get an amen somebody? So these folks got into trouble for their worship. All right. And once that happened, uh, we're going to continue to read here in Acts 17. Uh, once they detained Jason and the others, they said, hey, you got to post bond. Give us a little bit of money. Show some collateral and we'll let you go. Okay, so here we go. Let's continue here. Acts 17, verse 10 to 15. It re goes on to say, that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. Okay, Berea what is not too far from Thessalonica, same region, just out of the city of Thessalonica. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Once again, as Paul's custom was, this was his context. He's living for Jesus, and he's going to live for Jesus in his context, right? Like, it's literally what he did. It's, it's where he could do what he was called to do. And from one city to the next, straight to the synagogue, okay? So verse 11, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Verse 12, as a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. There we go again. We find immediate fruit of Paul's obedience and his faith, okay? Um, doing what he's called to do, 
and Jews believed and prominent Greek women. Once again, just verses before this, there are leading women in the community in Thessalonica that joined Paul and Silas. And here it says that many prominent Greek women and men uh, believed. Okay, verse 13, but when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God to Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. So these Jewish folks from Thessalonica find out he's preaching, so they go to Berea to stir up trouble. Like the persecution is not stopping. It's, think about this though, because this is the context of the book of Thessalonians in his writing. We're going to get into this. But the con this is like the, the narrative, the, the life, the lives being lived out, this community actually happening in real time is kind of like, the, it's the context of Thessalonians. And the context is this, that there was much fruit like of the salvation of, of people, souls getting saved and finding community in Christian community, in the midst of persecution. Okay, so immediate fruit. And then once again, here comes trouble again. Okay, so verse 14, the believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. So Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea and some of the believers went with Paul and fled south to Athens. Okay, just to, once again, not only to flee Thessalonica, but they had to flee Berea, okay? And uh, verse 15, those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him, okay? So um, shortly after the Athens, if you go on to read the book of Acts, Paul ends up in Corinth. And we presume that Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians from Corinth which was about AD 51. So it's not long after, but just here's the context. I know the next few weeks, we're gonna get into the actual letter of Thessalonians. We're gonna share a little bit today, but um, Paul was led by the spirit into Thessalonica. He's obedient and stepped and went there by faith. He does what he's called to do, preach and teach the word of God, declare that Jesus is the Christ, declare that Jesus is King. And as a result, a bunch of people get saved both Jews and Greeks, prominent women, leading women, prominent Greeks, Jewish people, I mean, people come to faith. We're talking Thessalonica and Berea, right? But in Thessalonica, this is, this is what went down, okay? It has to flee there because of persecution. It has to flee Berea because of persecution. Heads down to Athens, to Corinth. He's gonna write this letter. And so um, much of the um, kind of cultural historical context here in my notes just kind of, is going to continue to speak to the theme of First Thessalonians, okay? And so, as we can see, just in reading Acts, it is one of Thessalonica is one of the first European cities that um, Paul and Silas landed in, and actually community formed. Like this was a literal church, a a local body of believers that were gathering, worshiping together, doing life together, and Paul, Timothy, and Silas are kind of overseeing this community, in a sense, like fathering these people, you know? And so, um, 
you know, now, now when you see, see some of what Thessalonica was, you can, we can see why the Lord gave him a vision to go there. I mean, you can see it immediately because of the fruit of salvation and um, how the gospel was preached and people were getting saved. Like there was a harvest of souls that came to Christ as a result of Paul and Silas's obedience, okay? But also it was a port city and it was a commercial center, okay? Um, and it was a literal strategic um, location and, and a base to spread the gospel throughout Macedonia. So Thessalonica, even though the persecution was intense, it was totally God's plan to start there because from there, the gospel spread. And we'll see this in the letter. We'll see this in 1 Thessalonians. So it was strategic. Paul didn't know all these outcomes. Paul was not aware of the, just the shifts of what was happening. And I'm only gonna, you know, God didn't say you're only gonna be there for three weeks and you're gonna have to flee. And then you're gonna go to Berea. You're not gonna be there long at all. You have to dip out of there too, real fast. So obviously Paul didn't have all of this, but God's heart for him was to obey and get there because of the people that were gonna be saved. And so here it is. This is kind of the theme of, of 1 Thessalonians. So it gives us, this is what it really tells us. The big picture of Thessalonians is this. It's an introduction, an intimate introduction to how Paul mentored young believers. How do we know they're young believers? Because he was only there for three weeks. Okay, it, it, was, it, was, it was, this wasn't some community that was around, like it was literally, um, it was very new. These, these were new believers, okay? And so we also see like in this letter, like the, this book, we call it the book, book of First Thessalonians, or even second, we can, we can include both, is like Paul's um, teaching approach to young believers was rich with two things. It was doctrine, like the teaching. It was very, he was teaching them. It was, it was doctrine and application. So it wasn't, it was teaching of doctrine, of, of just the basics of faith. It's all throughout Thessalonians, but it's also full of um, application. So it wasn't just theoretical theology. It was, this is who Jesus is. This is, this is the kind of the basics, the basis of our faith but this is how you apply it to your life. This is, this is what we believe and this is how we live, okay? Um, he just, Paul accurately um, describes salvation in all of its dimensions, okay, to these young believers, all right? Here's a couple other things. Paul reinforces the, the basic gospel message instructs them further in faith and provides practical applications for spiritual truths. Okay, and so we can apply this to our lives, okay? Um, that we wanna learn what we believe, but we also want to learn how to live for God, how to actually apply this, how to, how to bring this 
uh, to pass. This is what I believe, but this is how I live. I can kind of manifest the presence of God. I can walk in the spirit. I can obey God. I can, it's, it's not just that uh, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength, but I personally can rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. All right. And, and so here we go. I got one more thing here. And I wanted to say this because we see all the persecution and everything. I want to share a couple more points here. But here's the first one that we see this from Thessalonians, that pressure and persecution are inevitable for the believer. Okay. It's inevitable. The Thessalonian experience, okay, illustrates the key aspect of the gospel. And this is it. The truth takes root in resistant soil. Okay. This is, this is what it tells us that the soil, meaning the society does not have to be agreeable or in line with the gospel for it to take root in the people that have received it. So once again, let's talk about these. These are some, just some main things. This is, we just talked about this. We kind of, uh, more or less just read the backstory of how this letter came about. Okay. Um, so in our world, well, actually, before I say this, here's the, here's the point again. I'm going to say it again. Pressure and persecution are inevitable. If we're going to be worshipers of Jesus in a world that doesn't do it, in a world that is contrary to the gospel, in a worldly system, that is that enmity with God. And we are in this world and not of it. And we come into this world and we come into an environment. And we absolutely, emphatically, and boldly worship Jesus alone. Pressure and persecution are inevitable. Can I get an amen? All right, so here, here this is what we're talking about, like culture conversations. Culture conversations here. Um, it's our journey through Thessalonians. So in our world, persecution, and this is could be in any society throughout time, but I would say in our world, right, sometimes persecution may not be so overt or openly hostile per se. It may not. Um, but in our world, you know, it, persecution can camouflage itself as this vague cultural disapproval, right? There's like this undertone. You're in an environment People know you're a follower of Jesus and there can be this undertone of rejection. I'm not going to want to connect with you. I'm not going to understand you. I'm not going to want, you know what I mean? And I understand there is a mix of this at times, you know, that people really love you and they're like, hey, that's you, that's not me. And they're, and, and in a sense, there's no persecution. But in the reality of being a worshiper of Jesus, as we see in the scripture in our own life, in reality, a true worshiper of Jesus will suffer persecution. And even if that persecution sometimes is this kind of vague, kind of passive, you know, just disapproval. Okay. And we must, here's, here's my encouragement. We must learn to walk with God, love God and be a worshiper of Jesus and navigate those environments and still walk in love and not compromise because of that pressure and, and not buckle under that pressure and stay true to our faith in Jesus 
stay faithful to him and not fall into and under that pressure and and just throw away our convictions and our worship of Jesus alone. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right? So, you know, um, and the next thought here is this. The, the truth takes root in resistant soil. That's what we see here. That's what we see in Thessalonians. Now, I understand I'm not speaking of resistant soil of our heart, but I, when, I, when, I, when I say the truth takes root in resistant soil, meaning the environment, the cultural environment, the, the worldly system, you know, as we see in Thessalonians, it's, it, was, it was overtly hostile, but the gospel still took root in people's lives. And we're gonna see as we read First Thessalonians that there was actual fruit that was so powerful and profound that Paul took note of it in First Thessalonians chapter one. And yet they were in much resistance Soil was resistant, the, the, the environment, but they actually went deeper in faith and deeper in unity among themselves as a result of the persecution without, okay? And so, somebody say amen. So whether that persecution is like this vague cultural disapproval or it's just openly hostile, um, in one way or another, spiritual growth will always meet resistance. So, so that, that, that's it. So if, you know, absence of pressure, and I'm talking about your own walk with God and your own pursuit of Jesus, absence of pressure may indicate a lack of growth. Why do I say that? Because when we look at this big picture of this church in Thessalonica, Resistance produce growth. Persecution produce growth. Persecution produce unity. And so pressure produces something in us. The pressure without produces something spiritual within. Faith will grow because of pressure and persecution. Okay, that's what we see here. And I believe it's true if we were to think about it. There's times in our the pressure, the persecution, whatever you've gone through. You stay faithful to Jesus. You can look back and say, wow, I grew through that. I grew because of that. I went deeper in Jesus because of that. My roots went deeper. I, I, I got deeper roots. I'm, 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 I'm a stronger Christian because of the pressure. All right? So we're going to end with this verse. I'm going to read it quickly. This kind of, these couple verses here. We're going to end with this. Okay? But once again, pressure and persecution are inevitable, folks. We see this in this story, okay? And the truth takes root even in resistant soil. Here we go, 1 Thessalonians 1, okay, verse six to 10, here we go. And you, speaking of this church now, listen to this. And you became followers of us, followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, Verse seven, so that you became examples to all Macedonia. Somebody say growth. Somebody say this one. They say the kingdom expands in hostile territory. It says that 
became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. Verse eight, for from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out. Persecution couldn't stop it. Imprisonment couldn't stop it. Having, Paul having to leave the city could not stop it. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Verse nine, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That was a, that, that statement right there is, is controversial in the ancient world. Controversial. You turn to God from idols. What were idols? Everything in their known society. Not everything, but you know what I mean? Like it was, it was rampant. The Greek gods, the Egyptian gods, like it was worship anything and everything. It's all good, whatever you want to do. Except you, if you're going to worship your God, you must worship these as well. You must worship the emperor. But you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Okay? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I want to just encourage you with that today. All right, I want to encourage you with that today. I think, I think there was a lot there. And, and so just to kind of give you a little preface of what we're going to talk about a little bit more, it's just you, you see also in the theme of Thessalonians is hope. Why? Intense persecution. And so you, you notice this in the scripture that when persecution goes up, hope goes up. Um, and, and like living for eternity goes up. Why? Because it just becomes more real. It becomes more real. It's just, it was so real to them. Of course, he's going to talk about the second coming. Of course, he's going to talk about the return of Christ. Of course, he's going to talk about eternity with Jesus one day. Why? Of course, he's going to say, you know, delivers us from the wrath to come. Of course. Why? They're in intense persecution. Hallelujah. I'm going to encourage you folks, if you're in pressure, if you have to walk through any type of persecution, or even what we would call, what it kind of the way I coined it today was just that, you know, cultural disapproval because of who you worship, because of you being a Christian, a person of faith. I'm telling you, the truth takes root in you when the soil around you is is hostile. Hallelujah. All right, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for everybody here today. I pray that we just go deeper. Lord, regardless of pressure or persecution, I pray that we go deeper in faith. And we and we, I pray that we, as God's people, get stronger in unity, even in the midst of pressure and persecution unified around Jesus and Jesus alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.